I hope you all are well and happy tonight. Happy in the Lord. Amen. For all of you that are watching our live stream tonight, we welcome you to our service. Our pastor is a little sickly tonight, and if you would remember him in prayer, that would be a wonderful thing. Stand with me while we sing, Send the Light. And I've been uh, convinced to sing all four verses. You'll need a book. Give them a second to get a book there, ladies. And, uh, 371. 371. Let's go on that second one. We have heard the Macedonian call today. Send the light, send the light. And a golden offering at the cross we lay. Send the light, send the light. Send the light, the blessed gospel light. Let it shine from shore to shore. Pastor is sick tonight, and TJ is sick tonight, and my wife still has the bad cough. Uh, we're going to take names tonight for those who want special prayer. Anyone in our congregation, Brother Troy? Uh, Brother Troy lost family members. Brother Jeff? Yes. Yeah, Brother Bob Singleton is not doing well at all. Of course, Sister Yvonne taking care of him, and it just kind of pulls her down also. So just re let's remember that sweet couple, Sheila. Stacy, yes. Let's remember Stacy. She's going through some testing times, and so let's remember her in prayer. Anyone else? Uh, 
20 plus thousand, yes, sir. You know, what you just have to hope is that they knew the Lord. You know, uh, if you think about it, if you think back 2,000 years ago, can you all think back that far? If I have my Bible, you can read about it right in here, the Bible. That's where Paul was taking the gospel before he went over into Philippi. So men like Paul took the gospel, and so you just trust that someone carried on the gospel in Turkey and Syria and thereabouts. I saw another hand. Brother Mike. Okay, Nikki. All right, brother. Jeff. Staying all night and praying, brother. And it's not a certain evangelist or who is, what's the big name is it? Not big name, it's God. And the outpouring of the Spirit of God because from what I understand, a repentant spirit amongst the people. And uh, God will move if, if we would ever get to that point in our life where we would have a re repentant spirit about us and, and pray for his outpouring. Anyone else? Brother Jack, I see you. Okay, Brother Jack. Family members, Brother Pappy. Yes, sir. Amen. Sister Alice. Okay. Your daughter or their daughter? Her granddaughter. Neighbor and her granddaughter. Sister Alice. Okay. Morgan. Morgan is talking about tragedy in young families. Now, about right. tragedy in young families. So let's let's pray about that matter. God knows about it, and if we we'll pray about that matter. Anyone else? Alrighty. I, I, there are no announcements that we have that, other than those that come out in March, and we we have plenty of time to talk about those later. Let's just get into the spirit of prayer right now as we just quieten ourselves from the, from the rigors of the day and go into the throne room of God because of the sweet, sweet finished work of Jesus Christ. Father, we love you and we thank you. We just bless your holy name. We thank you, Father, for the sweet, warm spirit that we felt in this place. Just, just moved in. And we thank you for that. Only you, only God can give us that peace like that. 
And we just praise your holy name tonight. You are worthy. Worthy, worthy of our praise. Holy God of heaven. Thank you through your darling son that you allow us to call you father. Our eternal father. Thank you for the finished work that we may have eternal life. Father, right now, all of these special requests of prayer, I could never remember all of them, some maybe, but not all. But Father, you heard each heart, you heard each burden, you heard each request of prayer, and you know about them all. And I pray, Father, in your holiness, if you would just move in in those situations. Father, for the revival that we've heard that is in, going on in Kentucky, not, in, not any man doing, but the Spirit, your sweet Spirit, Heavenly Father. We pray a continued outpouring of your Spirit in that place. Father, tonight I want to bring Brother Cody to you. Father, I ask you to anoint him from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, Father. That you would just preach him with passion tonight. Not just a Wednesday night message and get it over and go home, but just, Father, just I pray that you would just wrap your loving arms around him and preach him tonight. And open our hearts, Heavenly Father, the doors of our hearts to receive what you have to say to us. You are so blessed. And we praise you tonight. And Father, right now as we are preparing to receive offering for those who are watching by live stream, Father, I pray that you would just bless them as they give, not of taking anything from their church fa family, Father, but maybe an, an extra offering that they would like to give to this ministry at Grace Free Will Baptist Church. We pray for them. Father, we love you, and we just thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
have your Bibles, turn over with me to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse number 14. John chapter 10, verse number 14. When you find your place, please stand for reading of God's Word. John chapter 10, verse number 14 and 15. I'm preaching on the subject tonight, He Knows My Name. Amen. He Knows My Name. John chapter 10, verse number 14 and 15, the Bible says, And I am the good shepherd. Who's saying that? Jesus. Amen. And know my sheep. I'm glad he knows us today. And I am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray that you just take this message to the uplifting of your kingdom tonight, God. Bless it, Lord. Remove my stammering tongue. Allow me to stand in the gap to be a mouthpiece for you, to preach your word with boldness and power. Lord, just bless it, and we'll give you the glory and honor for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So I want to start off by asking you this question. How does, and this is going to sound like a, uh, a silly question to ask, but how does God know you? How does He know you today? Well, first of all, this is the easiest one. He made you. Amen? He made you, therefore He knows you. Because He created you, He knows you. He knows who you are from the very time you was conceived in your mother's womb. They are to tell the crowd in Washington, D.C. that. He knew you from the very moment you was conceived. He knows who you are. He knew you before you was born. We'll get into what he told Jeremiah. But folks, I got to thinking about something today. He knew what your very name was going to be while your mother and father were discussing between themselves whether it was going to be Trent, Cody, uh, uh, Kyle, whatever. God knew that you was going to be who you was going to be today. Uh, Brother David, he knew you was going to be David Foster. He knew I was going to be Cody Fox. He knows who your, what your name is going to be before your parents even locked in on what that name was. He knows you today. And I got to thinking about that, and I got to thinking about how important your name is to God. So let's get into that today. Even though you may have faults and failures, even though you may fail along the way, even though there's going to be sin that you're going to commit over in, in your life, God knows your name. He doesn't uh, uh, forget your name. He doesn't throw your name off to the side just because you mess up, just because you miss the mark. He knows, hey, that's still David. Hey, that's still Cody. Hey, that's still so-and-so. God knows who you are today. Through your faults, through your failures, through everything in spite of, He knows just who you are. And folks, that's something important. You know, how important is it for you if you run across somebody that you hadn't seen in a long time? And they come up to you and go, Cody! And you look at them and go, I have no idea who those people are. And you're talking through the whole conversation trying to spur something up. To maybe, to maybe uh, 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 spur your mind into thinking, oh, that's who they are. Oh, that's, you don't have that with God. Amen. He knows who you are. He hasn't forgot you. In other words, while he's sitting up on his throne in heaven and while there's millions and millions and millions of people here on earth, he's looking down in East Tennessee and he sees you in this pew or those at home, he sees you on your couch and he knows your name. He hasn't forgot who you are. Though you have faults and failures, he hasn't forgot you. Though you missed the mark, he hasn't forgot you. He still knows who you are. He's looking for you to repent. He's calling you by name to repent. But he knows you today. He knows you through your faults and your failures. And just because you mess up doesn't mean he, forget, he forgets who you are. I want you to turn over with me to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. To understand exactly what I'm talking about here, you have to go to the very principle of what it was to have sin in the first part of your life, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, of course, sin was not until they came, they came and, and they committed sin by eating of the tree. 
But in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 8, the Bible says this. And they heard. This is after they had ate of the fruit of the tree. This is after they looked down and saw themselves naked. And, and this is after the, they went and, and found the fig trees and sewed them together and decided they were going to clothe themselves. After all that, they heard something. Listen to what they heard. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the, of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Now what was the Lord saying? He was calling out their name. And the Lord called, uh, uh, the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And when he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Even though Adam messed up, even though Eve messed up, he still called them by name. Now here's a little nugget I want you to write down and keep down in your mind. The devil knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. God knows your sin, but he still calls you by your name. Amen. Amen. Your sin doesn't identify who you are. To God, he looks at your sin and says, I want to save that individual. I want that person to do better. I want them to get right with me. I came that they, that they should have life and have it more abundantly. He looks down at you and he doesn't see a liar. He doesn't look down and see that you're an adulterer. He doesn't look down and see you as a fornicator. He looks down and sees his sin as sin, but he still knows you by name. And what he wants today is for you to put away the sin and be who Cody is meant to be, be who David's meant to be, be who, who, whoever you are meant to be for God. He wants you to live up to your name today. He doesn't want you, the sin, to identify you. By the way, Curtis preached online Sunday, how many lies does it take for you to be a liar? One. How many, how many times does it, call, does it take for an affair for you to be an adulterer? One. See, he could call you out by your, saying, uh, by your sins and call you by your sins on what you've done and who you are and put a label on you, but he doesn't. He didn't with Adam. If you look here at Adam, you don't think that God didn't know what they had already done? Of course he did. He's omnipotent and omnipresent. He's everywhere and all-knowing. He knew exactly what Adam and Eve had done. He knew the sin that they had committed. And yet he was still walking through the garden and calling out, Adam! He's looking for him. He's looking for him not by saying that you're disobedient. Looking at him not saying that you're a mess up, that you're a failure. He's still calling him by Adam and going out and looking for him as Adam. Folks, I don't care where you are in life right now. You are meant to live up to your name. You are meant to live up to what Christ has for you. You're sitting here saying, well, brother, you're preaching to the choir. You're preaching to a Wednesday night crowd. Folks, let me just say something before we get any further. It's easy for you to sit here today and sit there and say, I'm as close as I can possibly be to God. I am who I am, and I ain't going to go anywhere. But while I'm yet preaching tonight, there was people that was faithful and sitting in church 15 and 20 years at a time, and some tragedy happened in their life, and they let that identify who they are instead of living up to their name. Amen? Folks, while I'm yet preaching, there are people that used to stand firm with God, be faithful to God's house, be going to God's house, and they're nowhere to be found right now. Amen. You want to know why? Because they let sin sneak into their life, and they let the devil whisper a lie to them over and over and over on this is who you are. This is who you are. This is the sin that's in your life. This is who you are. You can never go back to that church. You can never darken the doors. This is who you are now. You're not the Cody of old, or you're not the so-and-so of old. This is who you are. See, Satan wants to call you out by your sin and let you get deeper and deeper and deeper into sin. You know, a few weeks ago, I was going to stand up and testify, and God beat me half to death for not doing it, so I'm going to do it right now. I was, I was thinking uh, a few weeks ago, there was a gentleman 
on the news that my wife called me and told me, said, you'll never believe who's convicted or who they're searching for as a murder suspect. And she told me, told me the name. She said, and I'll tell you, it's all over the news. She said, Donald Britt. And I looked up. I said, you've got to be kidding me. Pulled it up on the news. You might know the name because he killed two people in Sullivan County. And he pulled, I pulled up the name and I saw that face and my heart just melted. Let me take you back 16 years ago to a young, more, better looking Cody Fox with more hair that's going away right now. But here I am at Unicoi Frugal Baptist Church in a youth group. Right beside of me is my wife, soon to be wife, Victoria. We were in youth group together. Right across the table sat Donald Britt. He was there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, church. He heard the gospel. He knew about Jesus. Who would have ever thought 15 years later that 16-year-old me then would have been sitting across what would be a soon murderer? And see, the news has him identified as a murderer, which he is. And whatever the, whatever the, 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 the uh, comes out uh, of the uh, case that happens, whether it be life in prison or, or whether it be the death penalty, he deserves. But I'm sitting there thinking to myself, how could you go from being a person that sit in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, hearing the gospel. Nathan Jennings was the pastor there. I know he heard the gospel. Him hearing the gospel, going over to youth group and hearing messages about God. And then 16 years later, killing not one, but two people and trying to ram a TBI agent. My heart sunk. Somebody might say, well, preacher, you shouldn't say that. You know, it's out of respect for the family. Listen, I'm here to tell you his mom and dad were good, godly people and are good, godly people. They raised him in church. It ain't like, it ain't like they weren't good, godly people to him. They were. They, were, they, were good, they are good, godly people. But while I'm yet preaching, he's sitting in a prison cell tonight having to think about what he's done. Folks, if there's one thing I can tell you right now, if the devil can get his foot in, if, he, if you give the devil an inch, he'll be your ruler. Amen? And if you ain't careful, you might be sitting here on, on Wednesday night and saying, oh, preacher, that'll never happen to me. While I'm yet preaching, it can happen to you. If a man that walked with Jesus for three and a half years that would sell him out just for 30 pieces of silver, if it can happen to a man like that, it can happen to you. Folks, you think about Judas. Somebody would say, well, he, uh, he never really had it or, or he wasn't really dedicated to God or he wasn't really dedicated to Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Would you sell everything you had and go on the road for three and a half years if there wasn't something there? Would you walk with Christ for three and a half years laying your head on the cold, hard ground if there wasn't something there? How can Judas, a man recruited by Jesus himself, be the very own person that be Jesus' murderer. Amen? Folks, while I'm preaching tonight, be weary. It can happen to you. Amen? It happened to Adam and Eve. I get into conversations about people, and one of the things that bothers me the most, I say, oh, if that, if that was me, it would have never happened. I would have never done that. How could you even say that? They didn't even know what temptation and sin was. If we were all in that same predicament, we'd probably all fall short. And we'd probably all miss the mark. You think about it tonight, folks. The devil wants to keep you where you're at in your sin. And not only that, he wants to dig you deeper in it. Casting Crown sings a song, and I think it's so true. It's a slow fade. You know, it ain't like you're on fire for God today and tomorrow, boom, you wake up and you're so far, far from God. That isn't how it is. The devil's patient. He works on you slowly. It takes weeks. It takes months. It takes years. He works on you day after day and after day. Starts with missing Wednesday nights. And it starts with missing Sundays, Sunday nights. And it starts with missing Sundays. 
then it's a once a month kind of ordeal. Twice a, twice a year kind of ordeal. Before you know it, you find yourself not even attending church at all. The devil's patient. If he sees that he's making progress on you, he'll keep working. If he finds something that gets on your nerves, he keeps at it. You think about, he's described in the Bible as a roaring lion, seek him whom he may devour. If you think about that very sentence right there, you think about what a, what a, a lion does. He sits back and he waits patiently for his prey. He looks toward the back and he sees somebody maybe lagging behind a little bit. He sees a prey, uh, whether it be a cantaloupe or whatever, he sees it lagging behind and he goes after it to grab it. Folks, that can very easily be you. The devil is very patient when it comes to getting you out of, out of God's will and out of God's church and out of God's family and out of his, out of his will. It, you, we've got to be very careful on how we look at lives, how we look at our lives, I should say, because you can get so busy, by the way, acronym for busy, being under Satan's yoke. Amen? You can get so busy with life that you can miss the ball and miss what you should be and could be living up to your name for Christ. Now, the devil wants to keep you where you are at in sin and dig you deeper. He wants your sins to, to, to be how you are known. He, your sins is how he wants to identify you. That's what the devil wants. He, do, he wants to take your, your, your dirty laundry of yesterday and hang it out on the clothesline of your future. Amen? In other words, he wants to dig up your past and say, this is who you are. You can never be nothing more. There's some people that God is laying something on their heart for them to stand up and do for him, but yet they're not doing it because the devil's whispering in their ear, telling them they can't do it because of what they were way back when. They're telling them why they're a failure, why they have faults, why they missed the mark. And that's what the devil's telling them all along. But folks, I'm here to tell you today, if Jesus has forgave, uh, forgiven you of it, forgive yourself and move on. The problem is, is people have gotten to the point where they've listened so much to the devil and they've stopped listening to that small, still voice of God saying, I've forgiven you. Stand up. I've got some work for you to do. I've forgiven you. Don't let, that, don't let that identify who you are. You're not that anymore. It's under the blood. You're forgiven. Move on past it. The devil doesn't want that. Because you want to know why? You could impact somebody if you move on past it. And let that be a testimony to catapult you some, uh, somebody toward God. Amen? The devil wants to keep you where you are in sin. He doesn't want you to grow. He doesn't want you to feel like you're getting close to God. He wants to keep you right under his thumb. As said earlier, the devil does know your name, but he'll never call you by your name. He'll call you what you are or what he thinks you are, identifying you by your sin. But that's not who you are. If, if you look at what you are, you are meant to be something wonderful that God has created. That's why we cherish life of a little baby so much. God sees, sees so much wonder in that life. And we want that life to grow up and be something amazing. Amen? And it can. And your life can still be something amazing if you'll let God use you in a mighty way. Now go over to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse number 5. I like what uh, the conversation here between God and Jeremiah. You know, Jeremiah is kind of like I was just describing a few minutes ago. He's kind of making excuses. You know, I'm just a child. I, I messed up. I, I'm missing the mark. You know, I, I can't do what you're asking me to do. After all, Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. But the Lord hit him somewhere, and it should hit us in the same way. He said in verse number five this. Before I formed thee in the belly, what? I knew thee. Let's say that again. Before I formed thee in the belly, I what? Knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Amen. 
The Lord knew who you was when you was in your mother's womb. He knew who you was at the time of conception. He knew that this was going to be Jeremiah the prophet. And he knows what you can be. Are you letting something or somebody hold you back? Are you letting that old devil get in your ear and chew on your ear for a little bit and tell you why you can't or why you shouldn't do something for God? Why you're not good enough or why you don't need to go back to that church or why you don't need to, to be with God? He formed you. He has a purpose for you. Folks, I am a firm believer in this. God has a purpose for everybody here. Everybody. If there was no purpose, we'd be dead. Amen? There's a purpose for you. There's a purpose for me. We all have a purpose. we got to find what that purpose is in life and use it for the cause of Christ. Now, <clears throat> God wants you to become what you were meant to be. He wants to forgive your sins and, turn, uh, and you turn from your wicked ways and walk and uh, you to walk on a different path. Your name means something to God. No, you mean something to God. Amen? I want you to just think just for a moment about how many opportunities. The Bible says, therefore, we have opportunity. And I think about this a lot, brother, how many opportunities I have let slip by either out of fear or out of uh, not having time. And the old devil telling me, see, I told you I was right. And him bringing up why I messed up or why I, why I missed the mark. All the while, we just need to say, get thee behind me, Satan. I messed up on that opportunity. I'll be held accountable for it. But God's laid so many more in front of me. I'm going to live up to my name. And live up to the call that God's given me. See, everybody in here has a call. Not everybody's meant to be preachers. Not everybody's meant to be Sunday school teachers. or Not everybody's meant to be singers. But there's something you can do. You can pray. I don't think there's a single person that can't, that can't pray to God. Amen? We don't, we don't need, we're not Catholics. We don't need priests. We can go boldly into the throne, uh, throne room of God, right? With that being said, you can go to God in prayer. You can be a prayer warrior. I'm here to tell you there's, there's been times that I've been around some people to pray. And there was, a, there was this, a lady at Kingburg. I'll never forget this. I was preaching out, uh, preaching out there, a little boy preaching. And I remember going to the altar and praying. And I was probably 14, 13, 14 years old preaching. And I remember stopping to pray because I heard this lady praying. And man, you could hear, you could feel that she touched the throne room of God. Just her praying. Now, she's not one that got up and, and, and taught Sunday school or done anything like that, but she was a prayer warrior. And, man, I could just feel the presence of God all the way around her because she had reached the throne room of God. And I stopped praying because it was so powerful, the prayer that she was saying. It just brought me to tears. I want, I want to be around people that uses their ability for God to, to, to touch the throne room of God like that. I want people praying for me like that. I'm sure Curtis wants people praying for him like that. Brother David, you want people praying for, for you like that. That they can just reach the throne room of God. They might not be doing anything else, but they can sure pray. Amen? God has a, a, a job for them to do, and it's to be a prayer warrior. And he's called their name to be a prayer warrior. Now, <clears throat> when God shows you who you are, you can help others find out who they are. This is something I think we have a big problem with. When God blesses us, we're hoarders. We're selfish. We keep it to ourselves. Amen? Instead of turning around and blessing somebody else, amen, we hold on to it. It's just, it's just ours. When, so when God blesses us, when God does something good in our life, when, when we see God moving in our life and maybe taking us from, uh, down from the miry clay and setting our feet upon a solid foundation and saying, no, this sin doesn't identify you. You are who I made you to be. And once we find that and get ourselves uh, in a good Christian standing with God and, and we feel God's presence in our life and we feel God lifting us up, we kind of just hold on to that. Instead of saying, all right, God's blessed me, I want to bless somebody else. 
all right, God's blessed me. I want to go out and tell somebody else how I can help them. I've got a testimony right now that I want to tell somebody uh, that can maybe be a help to somebody. Amen. The more you tell, the more you help. Amen. See, I miss old, uh, good old testifying services, Brother David. I miss going to church and you feeling God move around in the pews to where you feel the hair stand up on the back of your neck. You can feel the goosebumps running up and down your spine. You can feel what they're feeling in Kentucky. You can feel the presence of God. I remember as a little boy being in church services like that to where you could feel God just come down. Amen? And be inside the church and flowing in, in and out of the pew and people can't even resist to sit down and not say anything. They have to stand up and give their God praise. I miss that. Why has that stopped? What's happened that we've stopped doing that? I'll tell you what's happened. The devil, and by the way, if you don't think this, the devil's just as faithful to church as you are. The devil has gotten his foot in a church and has allowed himself to go into the pews himself and tell you, don't you stand up. You'll be a hindrance. Don't you stand up and testify for God. People's going to think bad about you. Don't you, don't you stand up. They know about your life, your, your previous life. They know about your sin. They know who you are. That's how the devil talks to you. Amen. While you've got God telling you, stand up. I really know who you are. And I know who I created you to be. But you can see what's happening in our churches and who's winning out. Amen. We don't feel the presence of God like that in churches anymore where you feel people just stand up and they can't help but say something because they got to give God glory folks I want to get back to where I don't have a fear I was telling you about a few minutes ago I, I, I should have testified about that th uh, two weeks ago God told me two weeks ago to say that I did that very same thing see a lot of times preachers they go through the same thing a lot of what I preach is a reflection on me and then I preach it to you all amen but you think about it. Two weeks ago, what, somebody could have been here that's not here tonight that could, should have heard that. I kept my mouth shut. I let the devil win. Amen? I let the devil win. I should have set, stood up and said something. If you feel God moving, don't hesitate. If you, if you feel God moving, don't hesitate. He's calling you for a reason. It could be that revival breaks out. Amen? I'll say this and we'll be done. God knows your name. I know I've said that a lot tonight. The devil knows your sin. God knows your sin too. Who are you listening to? Are you listening to the devil? Has he been calling you what, you, what, what your sin is? Amen. See, God wants to take you from that sin in your life. Get it out of your life. He doesn't want you to stay in that sin. He wants you to get it out of your life because that's not who you're meant to be. And he wants you to be something wonderfully made, glorious and wonderfully made. Are you listening to the devil tonight? Have you been listening to the devil? You've been listening to God. Because I believe with everything in me, every single one of us have a purpose. And every single one of us have a job to do. You might be looking around, you might be saying, well, I don't have, I have a very big job to do. Well, let me tell you something. We're, we're called the body of Christ. Do you know how important the big toe is on your body? Hey, man, it gives you balance. You don't have that, that uh, big toe, it, it, it causes problems. I know uh, uh, where I was pastor at before, the gentleman in our church, he uh, lost uh, a, a toe just had to get it amputated it messed with his balance folks that balance it, that big toe it, it, it's a lot for your balance I don't care if you're the big toe of the church you can help balance it all out amen in other words what I'm trying to say is find what God has for you insert your name and live up to it amen so everybody stands
All right, every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe there's somebody here today that maybe you haven't been living up to what you should have been for Christ or have been for Christ. Has the old devil put something in your mind that's caused you just to kind of get in a rut and a routine in your Christian life? You're going through the motions, but yet you don't feel the way you used to feel. You don't feel God the way you used to feel God. Has the devil just got you through going through the motions and maybe you just need to come pray and say, God, that's me. There's a job that you have in my life. There's something you have in my life that I can do. I need to do it. Is that you here today? Why don't you come? Maybe you're here today. You say, well, preacher, I want to do more. But I'm just afraid. I'm afraid of what people will think. I'm afraid of what people will look at me as. First step is to push him away right now and come forward to the altar. Say, God, I've got something to do. And I'm going to find out what it is. He knows your name. Is he calling your name right now? Come forward. He knew Adam's name. He called him. Is he calling you right now? Dear Heavenly Father, God.